Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative. I'm to this guy for wisdom. Well, sometimes the stars, they just seem to align before I'm coming on this show. And by that, I mean I'm hitting it at the just the right time. If I did the podcast, recorded it earlier, I would have missed the news item and I wouldn't have been able to weigh in and I would have had to wait. I would have had to have waited till tomorrow and that would have been so painful. I would have been up all night just dying to weigh in. But I don't have to do that because before I came on the show, I got to see the the liberals, the left, melting down, melting down like they did when they didn't get Trump on Trump-Russia collusion, when they realized that they'd been lied to, even though they still won't acknowledge it, but they didn't get him. So Dominion, it's been a while since I've talked about the Dominion lawsuit against Fox News. Oh, that's right. For weeks and weeks and weeks, they were going to get Fox News. Dominion was to Fox what Trump-Russia collusion impeachment was supposed to be for Donald Trump. They were finally going to eviscerate their enemy, public enemy number one of the left, Fox News, eliminate the competitor, go back to the good old days when they didn't have any competition, when Fox wasn't around, when I wasn't doing a podcast, before Rush Limbaugh, before all these people, when they had a monopoly on the narrative. And this morning, they were picking the jury, And they were supposed to go to trial the moment the left had been waiting for. That's right. We are going to get Fox News. We're going to we're going to win this suit against them. They're going to pay us the one point six billion. We're going to put them out of business. They're going to be humiliated. They're never going to come back. And they were putting the jury together and they took a pause this morning. Just a little pause. And people were wondering what was going on. Somebody saw a Fox lawyer hand a sheet of paper to somebody on the Dominion side. (gasps) What could it be? A settlement. A settlement. That's right. Fox News and Dominion reached a settlement on the lawsuit, which means it's not going to trial anymore. The left just lost what they thought was going to be their news cycle for the next however long this trial would go on. They're not going to be able to call forward Tucker Carlson and put him on the stand. They're not going to get any information out. They're not going to be able to to cover this in the news every day. And it's glorious to watch. And the left didn't know how to respond. There was so much confusion on their side. Some recognized the reality of this, which is that the left just lost. This was not a victory for Dominion. This was not a victory for the left because their objective was to destroy Fox News. And now it went away. People are going to forget about this. They're going to forget it ever happened. Fox News is moving on. Dominion's moving on. They did get paid out. Half of, I think, what they were trying to sue for. But, you know, I mean, I I will tell you this, too. This was not a strong case. But it was in Fox News' best interest not to go through the, the mud with the left and deal with the media and what they were going to do for them. So it was better for them to settle in the end. But it, they didn't settle because they were necessarily going to lose the case. It was a weak case. I mean, I said from the beginning, I think this was a Dominion Democrat Party co-operation in which they were hoping to really push Dominion to get Fox News. Because remember, they, they, didn't, they didn't start out suing Fox News. That got added later on. They, couldn't, they had to find the right judge that was going to prove that. They were going after Newsmax and One American News Network before. And then they added Fox News to this lawsuit. But... Some on the left were saying this was a a big day. Fox just admitted guilt. You know, they're paying, whatever. But the ones who get it are the ones that were upset. They were crying their liberal tears. And there's nothing I love more than liberal tears. I think Daily Wire has a cup. Something about liberal tears. Some kind of Ben Shapiro thing, which is great. And that's what you saw today. I got a couple clips to play of the reaction in the moment. (laughs) When the left had to break this story, <laughs> their whole day was was going to be spent around talking about these jurors were selected and they were going to build up how, you know, this case was going to go forward. and They were going to destroy Fox News and then they had to report live on the air. <laughs> they, 
They had to report live on the air. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I can't help it. I'm trying to calm down. They had to report live on the air. They just settled, which was the, the worst thing. In fact, when they were talking about settling over the past couple of days, the left was terrified, petrified. They didn't want that to happen. That was the worst reality for them is a settlement. <laughs> Their worst. The worst thing happened to them today. And so all I see are F-bombs from the left. WTF, Dominion, what are you thinking? How could you give up? And that's what happened. Dominion did give up, and the left lost their narrative. They lost this battle. They thought we're going to turn into this final battle to just destroy Fox News. (laughs) Their big shot. They're not going to get another shot like this, by the way. This was the big shot. I mean, this was kind of a historic case. All of the corruption had to align for this case to even go forward. They even had a judge that was very corrupt. I mean, the judge was trying to, you know, you go in and the judge kind of meets with the, the the different lawyers on each side and they tell you what you can admit for evidence and so on and so forth. And it was not looking good, but I'm not sure. I mean, it's a jury, so I'm not sure that they would have unanimously agreed to to charge Fox in the end, but it just, you could tell this judge had it out, it seemed like, to get Fox News. And, uh, and you know, this was another... It's like Adam Schiff with Trump Russia collusion. It's hiding in plain sight. That's right. The, 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 the Fox guilt, it's just hiding in plain sight. I, mean, I don't know where it is, but, you know, it's there. I've seen it. I promise you. And then they settle. So obviously Dominion didn't feel as confident about their case because they decided to settle. That's the reality. I mean, yeah, you can say whatever you want about Fox News, but Dominion didn't pursue this. So Dominion got weak need. They were greedy, apparently. They were just happy to take the $750 million or whatever they got in the payout in the end and run. So there you go. There you have it. Oh, my goodness. So, Captain, start that clock for me again. I'm double fishing again today. Pardon me if you're watching. I got a coffee in one hand. I got coconut water over here in the other hand. It's just, you know, this is the Drew you've got to get used to for a while. Some of you parents out there, you know, I don't know yet. I've got, you know, what is she, 14, two weeks old almost, two weeks old, beautiful, beautiful daughter. But my point is, this is me and I got, I got to hydrate here and I got to drink coffee to stay awake and keep my energy levels high so that I continue to rise in the rankings of podcasts out there. I don't want to lose you, but we got a lot to get to just like yesterday. I mean, it is a jam-packed show. Uh, I'm going to do my best not to go an hour and 14 minutes, Captain. We'll try to keep it at 60 minutes. I know those of you that listen don't mind, but for the new people that are checking out the Drew Allen show, that's over that. I mean, 60 minutes is already an intimidating number. What a commitment. There's so many great hosts out there. Well, you don't need to listen to them. You just listen to me. It's easy. You got 60 minutes. Do it here. Um, all right. I, 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 now, that was the good news. I'm, I was very pleased to report that about Dominion and the settlement. Now, what I'm honestly ticked off about, now this is the angry component of the show, I apologize, but we've got the left immediately exploiting another shooting, and it makes me sick to my stomach, and these people don't have any morals, they're disgusting people, disgusting people, human beings, promoting a false narrative. You know what I'm talking about, right, Captain? His name was Ralph Yarl. He was a 16-year-old young man, black. And he is alive. I want to point that out. I am very pleased to report. I think we're all happy, those of us who are decent human beings, which we are on our side. This young man did not succumb to his wounds. Now, I want to pick this narrative apart a little bit. I, look, I, I want to be clear about something because I do not want to be misconstrued on this. I've got some hard-hitting, difficult truths to lay out and talk about here that aren't comfortable for a lot of people to get into, but that's not why we're here and doing this. We're here to be honest because our goal is fixing the country, not tearing it apart. What happened to this kid, it was not his fault. It was not his fault at all. The young man should not have been shot. Okay, I want to be clear about that. But this hyperbole from the left about this being about racism, 
and acting like this was some kind of premeditated murder is outrageous. There's nothing to extrapolate from this situation except that it was a tragic mistake. And I'll get into the story. Let's just go through the story real quick. Because the media decided on their narrative immediately. And I, as usual, apparently I'm America's journalist doing the work that the fake journalists won't do. I have questions that I would be asking if I were covering this story. And they're not asking. So let's get into it. So this is how the story goes. Ralph Yarl, he's 16 years old. His parents, the media says, sent him to pick up his two twin brothers, they're younger than him, from a friend's house. And he got the address mixed up. It was kind of a situation where it was a court versus a you know circle or something like that, and he went to the wrong house. So he pulled into the driveway, apparently, and he went up to the door, and I'd heard ring the doorbell, I've heard knocking on the door, Let's say he knocks on the door, and I believe the gentleman that lived in the house was 84 years old, but he was Joe Biden's age, all right? Let's just put it that way. He's like Joe Biden, same kind of mental state. Old man comes to the door, and he shoots Ralph Yarl, the 16-year-old black young man, in the head. And then he shoots him in the arm. So he fired two rounds. And, I mean, honestly, talking about it, it does. I mean, it's like he's alive, thank God, but it does bring tears to your eyes. Just imagining this this kid then, I mean, he, he runs away. He's been shot in the head. And he's trying to find help. And I don't think he found it right away until he got to a certain house and somebody helped him out. So best case scenario, this old man was just totally irresponsible. That's best case scenario. Worst case scenario, he's an evil human being who's bitter, old, mean. And that's how this came about. And when I first saw this story broke, I knew what the left was going to do. I knew what the media was going to do because you had a white old man shoot a black boy. I knew they were going to blow this up. They're going to try and turn this into another summer of love, social justice, destroy the country over this. And I got some harsh words for this kid's parents, by the way. But I'll get to that in a second. So when I saw this story break, broke, when I saw the story break, I mean, I happened to get on Twitter and put some stuff out there. I looked up, Googled stories of people being shot knocking on doors. Because the left wants to make this about race as if it never happened. And when that happened, I said, oh my gosh, like, This stuff does happen in America. There are 333 million Americans. Instances like this do happen. You have mistakes that happen. It's just just how it goes. And I found story after story after story. I only looked back to 2013. I was just kind of doing it by by year to just narrow the search down and make it easier for myself. And I found story after story of these kinds of accidents happening in America. Sometimes cops were involved. I read one story where cops showed up at a house They knocked on an apartment, they knock on the door, and the individual inside had had issues previously. He didn't know the cops were there, and he had a gun when he opened the door, and the cops shot him. All right, who do you blame in that situation? It's a situation that arose that is unfortunate. And I read other exact scenarios like this, too, of people showing up at doors, knocking when they're not supposed to be there, and getting shot. So, you know, justice should be served. Here's the thing, though. There is no justice now, because what we have every time this happens, 
is we have the court of public opinion and we have the, the media and the left-wing agenda dictating what the result is going to be. So this person's not going to get a fair trial, just like Derek Chauvin didn't get a fair trial. And you never get to hear all the facts. So here's the story from, I guess, the guy's perspective. Um, Lester, I think that's the name of the 84-year-old man, he told police that he lives alone and he'd just gone to bed when he heard his doorbell. He said he picked up his gun and went to the door where he saw a male pulling up on the exterior storm door handle and thought someone was breaking in. I, I, and I, I just want to be clear. Let's just take that story for what it is. Let's say that's true. I'm not saying he was right. It's unbelievable that you wouldn't give somebody warning, that you would just shoot like that. That's why I'm saying it's totally irresponsible. It's reckless. It's wrong. But on the other hand, you just have this freak situation where this kid goes to the wrong house at the wrong time with the wrong person who's old, who's fearful, who's got mental problems perhaps. And he sees somebody pulling on the door and he shoots him. Now, I'm just saying, again, that's best case scenario that he's not just a horrible person. But here's the thing. The only witnesses to this situation were the old man that shot the kid and the kid. Those are the witnesses. Now, you read the reports, and I just I want to go through this from the media, what the media does. Um, let's see here. Da, 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 da. Well, <clears throat> let me put it this way. The media reported, for example, that the parents sent him to pick up his siblings. Well, his parents are divorced. They got divorced in 2017. His dad lives elsewhere. So my point is, even in the reporting, the parents sent him to pick up the kids which parents? They don't live together. They don't parent together. And I've got a story here. I mean, the father found out from the mom on a phone call. And here's the question, too. His kid, the, 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 the brothers were younger than him, right? So he's 16 years old. I saw a picture of the brothers. There's no reporting about the brother's age. But the mother sent the 16-year-old at 10 p.m. or 10.30 by other reports to pick up his brothers? Why were the brothers out at somebody's, some friend's house at 10 or 10.30 p.m.? I wasn't out at 10 or 10.30 p.m. When I was, I don't know, 12, 13? And the person who's giving all the information to the police and everything is the aunt. Uh, was the aunt there? Does she know about this? But here's what the father said. He said he was confused that Mr. Lester had been allowed to go home and sleep, but that his main concern was for other black children. He could have repeated it with the next kid that looked like Ralph, the father said. Mr. Jarl said he learned that his son had been shot in a call from the boy's mother on Friday morning and drove from his home in Indianapolis to Kansas City where he visited his son and also joined the protest over the weekend. I'm still shocked he's a good kid. The parents who are Liberian immigrants have been divorced since 2017. <clears throat> so, you know, the media doesn't really cover the beginning of the story, how he gets there, or anything like that. I guess in their eyes it's irrelevant, and maybe it is. But I just look at this and I think that's kind of odd. I mean, you, you send them out. I mean, and then you have Quentin Lucas who's the mayor, one of the worst in America. He, he, he said immediately, you've, you've heard about driving while black. You've heard about all the other issues that black people confront in life. Can you not knock on the door while black? It's almost like you can't exist. This is so irresponsible, more irresponsible than even what happened, what they're doing. They're trying to ignite a bomb in America again. And they're racializing this. And notice, there's no evidence that this is racial. A kid showed up who happened to be black at the wrong home and knocked on a door 
when it was dark outside and an 84-year-old man thought he was being robbed. He's an old guy. He's a geezer. We don't know about his mental state. There's no reporting about that. It's just white people are hunting down black people again. And that's not what this is about at all. And what makes me so sick about this is that in Chicago, as I just talked about yesterday, over the weekend and for multiple days, you had these riots happening. And I've got a story here from Chicago that I want to share with you because the media hasn't covered it at all. It's possible I didn't print it. Hang on. Hang on. Well, go figure, Captain. The one story that I wanted to talk about right now, I didn't print. That's how it goes. 60, 60 you know, pages, and I didn't print it. A white woman was severely beaten and had to go to the hospital. She was beaten by a group of black teens in Chicago. Now, they didn't racialize that, did they? A group of black teens in Chicago beat a white woman who was younger. I believe she was in her 20s. They beat her so badly she had to go to the hospital. And the media didn't even report on that. Was that a racial incident? Was that an example of black-on-white crime? They don't cover it. In St. Louis, downtown St. Louis, not too long ago, I think it was in February, you had a black individual assassinate a homeless person who I think was white in broad daylight. You had Kaylor Ellingson, the 18-year-old young man with his life ahead of him in North Dakota. This is last year. Who was killed, run over with an SUV by a Democrat who said they killed Kaylor Ellingson because he was, they thought, a far-right extremist, a MAGA Republican. It was a politically-based hate crime. The media did not cover it at all. You have Jane's Revenge, a pro-abortion terrorist organization that has taken responsibility for a couple dozen firebombing and vandalizing of pro-life centers in America, and the FBI hasn't tracked down a single one of them. And in Chicago, in 2022, you had 695 murders, and more than three out of four of the victims were black. One in three were in their 20s. Nearly all of it was black-on-black murder. Not a word from the media about that. Not to mention the fact that just a couple weeks ago, in Nashville, you had a trans individual murder six Christians, three of them nine years old, in a premeditated attack, premeditated mass shooting and murder. And we can't even get the manifesto. The media didn't say that was an obvious attack on Christianity, did they? No, they went and defended the trans community. They didn't take the side of the Christians. They had no sympathy for them whatsoever. And this is out. Authorities say the Nashville shooter left suicide note, 19 journals, and other docs, all kept from the public. The 28-year-old trans attacker who shot and killed six in a Nashville Christian school, March 27, 2023, left behind a suicide note, 19 journals, and other items, all of which have been kept from the public. The attacker left behind cell phones, laptops, suicide note, three folders, 19 journals. None of the writings have been released for the public to see. NBC News says the potential release of the journals has become a point of friction. It's the FBI, their behavioral analysis unit in Quantico, Virginia, who are holding this, but they won't. Let us see the motive of the killer. Why do you think that is? We know what the motive was. But why make us speculate? Why not just tell us? Why not release the information to us? Because it doesn't fit the narrative. And the narrative is the only problem in America is white terrorism, anti-black crime. And yet most of the crime in this country is black on black or black on white or black on something else. And we're going to have a conversation, a serious conversation in a little bit, I hope. about the fact that 
in many black communities in this country, that's where the problem lies. And if we can't have an honest discussion about that, regardless of what your race or ethnicity is, we're screwed and we're never going to fix it. We can't sit here and pretend like this isn't happening. We can't refuse to address the issue because we're afraid of being called racist. We're all Americans first. Our race is secondary. In fact, it's irrelevant if we're actually fulfilling the vision of the founding fathers and this nation. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we're American. And in America, we have a problem. And that problem is Chicago with black youth going and terrorizing the city. That's the problem. That's the biggest problem in America. And it's the result, again, of Democratic Party policies, which have done that to the black community. I don't excuse individuals' behavior, but I can understand and diagnose very easily where it came from. It's not hard to track down. And it begins with Lyndon B. Johnson. That's when it started. Welfare and the destruction of the nuclear family. And the black family in particular has been hollowed out. They have been attacked and destroyed. The women would rather marry the welfare state than a husband. The husband doesn't have to provide for the family because the welfare state exists to do that which he should be doing himself. This is happening all across America. And it's happening to other groups as well. But no community has been more adversely affected by the Democratic Party's long-term policies than the black community. So, I mean, here we go again. Here we go again. And I I just don't have a tolerance for this anymore. We're going to see protests, mass protests. You're going to hear the usual talking points. And meanwhile, we're not going to talk about reality. We're not going to talk about the very serious things going on in this country. We're not going to address the root causes of any of this. We're never going to get the manifesto of this transgender killer. No problem will be solved. But you know what will happen? We'll have riots. We'll have unnecessary increases in crime, unnecessary violence, more innocent people hurt, attacked. Their livelihoods threatened over a lie. Because you have the arsonists on the left and in the media, which are hell-bent on destroying the country and sowing division. And this is why we can't heal. And unfortunately, this family... I'm going to say something very controversial. It'll make a lot of you mad until I explain. This tragic incident that happened to the young man, Ralph Yarl, has become in some ways the best thing that's ever happened to him. Do you know why? Well, his aunt set up a GoFundMe campaign for him. Before I came on the show, he had raised $3 million. Ralph Yarl just became a millionaire, or his family did, exploiting this tragedy. Now, I don't have any issue with going to the community and looking for help to pay for medical bills and things like that. We should do that. I mean, he might have had health insurance anyway, the family, to pay for it. I I don't know. Or or certainly doctors in this country in situations like that would volunteer their services for free if it came down to it. I mean, for God's sake, if you're an illegal alien in this country, you don't have to pay for anything in terms of health care. And that's why I say, you know, this is a touchy subject because I don't blame the kid. He's totally faultless. I'll say that again. But the people around him are looking to profit. As soon as it happened, the ant sets up a GoFundMe campaign. Okay, maybe it's out of necessity. But she raised $3 million. I, I don't know. I mean, the kid will become a hero. That's fine. That's fine. But a hero for what? And now what's going to happen to this young man's life? I mean... Here's the thing, this this young man, from everything I read, and that's all I know, just like you know, I don't know him, I don't know the family, I'm speculating on certain things that I feel comfortable speculating on, but he was a great kid by every account, is a great kid by every account, he was a very talented musician apparently as well, is a talented musician, and hopefully, it seems to me from what I've read so far, he's they're expecting a full recovery. 
But now we're distracting from the things that make this kid wonderful, which is him just being a human being who's got a passion for music. Now his life story has been hijacked by the media and his own family. And he's now become a pawn in their race narrative. His life will never be the same because he'll forever now be the kid who was attacked by some white supremacist. That's his story. It'll be whatever success he has, whatever ambitions he has, whatever talent he has is now going to be overshadowed unfairly by this incident that happened when he was 16 years old in his life. He can't walk into a room without being the kid who raised $3 million after he got shot in the head by a white supremacist. Now people are protesting and marching. His schoolmates are taking to the streets. Over what? This kid hasn't even opened his mouth. He's still recovering. Is this what he wants? Maybe he does. Maybe he'll wake up. Maybe he'll come outside healthy and he'll become like those Tennessee people who think they're Black Panthers and try and lead this fake civil rights movement. Maybe that's what he'll do. But I don't think so. I don't think this kid is a David Hogg. He wasn't looking for the limelight. He didn't have a political agenda. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time in an accident, and he got shot. And while he's recovering, while he's got wounds, while he's got a bullet in his head, his family and the mayor of the city and his classmates and the rest of the nation, per the media's request, is now doing what? They're coming short of calling for burning down cities again For this kid, this is what they do. They are so selfish. They don't care about this kid. They don't care about what he wants. He is just a useful story for them to exploit for their own purposes and political gain. And you know what? This story never should have got this kind of national attention. God knows countless other stories like this don't get national attention. But this is a a horrible thing that happened, and it should have been a private matter. Let the lawsuit proceed. They ponied up with two lawyers that are civil rights lawyers, of course. The family. I mean, the family knows exactly what they're doing. And it just makes me sick to my stomach because it doesn't have to go this way. Something bad happened. God, I cannot imagine the fear and the pain and the sadness. I mean, I can being a parent sort of now. But this to happen to your kid? My goodness. But the last thing I would want to do as a parent while my kid is in the living room just, you know, who's just left the hospital is to be out there talking to the media about how this could happen to anybody else's kid, trying to exploit it. This is the sick thing. We do not have moral people, even these parents, perhaps. Something bad happened. Let the law do the law's thing. This didn't affect anybody else. This doesn't affect the rest of the nation. This affected one family. And this old guy who's 84, who now is going to die in jail. I guarantee it. That's what's going to happen. What else do you want? Who else needs to pay for this? One man made a mistake or one man's evil. That doesn't mean the rest of the nation is. It was a white guy who was an Eagle Scout who helped save this kid's life after all. He didn't, he didn't knock on a bunch of homes until he found a black home and the black family saved his life. You had somebody who was another white guy in the neighborhood that, 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 that helped, you know, keep him alive. Why, why is not there a focus on that? It's just everyone's racist. I just told you all these stories that actually have real semblances of racial undertones. I mean, Captain, can we be honest? Every time, every day I get on Twitter somewhere else and I see a video whether it's a New York City subway or something else in cities. And I see some white guy or some other minority that's not black being harassed by a black person. And again, I'm not accusing all black people. That's absurd of being racist or whatever else. But if you want to be serious about taking a a general stance and, and observing something that's in society, it's black communities. Black culture. And there are plenty of brave black individuals that are out there saying the same thing. So I feel perfectly comfortable talking about it. It's true. I mean, you know, we've got issues elsewhere too. I mean, with the white liberal single women that have been convinced that their lives are only going to be happy if they're single and they stay away from men and they pursue a career. That's another lie that's been shoved down their throats. 
So you got an issue in the quote-unquote black culture. You got a problem in the white, liberal, single woman, educated culture too that supports all these stupid liberal causes. And you got a Zoomer problem with depression. I mean, I I can go down the list of, of where the issues are, but this country has a problem and it's this kind of crap right now. Uh, that's, anything else to say on that, Captain? Did I hit it? All right. All right. Well, I didn't do it, I guess. Let, let, let's, let's go back now because I gave you the clips. Now that we've had this very serious conversation before I get into how Disney groomers and the Alphabet Mafia is trying to come after and destroy your kids and how these perverts need to be stopped. We'll have fun again. Dominion. Cue up cut one. This was great. This was, uh, this was Nicole Wallace on MSNBC. As the news broke and her heart broke with the news. Go ahead and play cut one, Captain. Go. Hi there, everyone. We come on the air with a whopper of a breaking news story for you. A settlement has been reached in that massive $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit brought by Dominion Voting Systems against Fox News. It was that kind of day. Everyone waiting for a Vatican-like puff of smoke. A lot of delays, a lot of pontificating, a lot of wondering what might be happening and now We know Nick Confessori, the judge, Judge Davis, in this case, announcing at 3.57 as we sat here to come on the air that, quote, the parties have resolved this case. Can you add any of your own? So sad. Almost no emotion in her voice. Now, Coop Cut 2. Now, this has a little bit more substance to it. This will explain the left more more capture that reaction of despondency this is oliver darcy a frequent useful idiot on the left that goes on cnn and gives his remarkable brilliant opinion and if you're not watching you know oliver darcy he's kind of your prototypical leftist He doesn't have much substance. He's not particularly bright. So he has to really do a lot of image control to pretend that he's smart. So he'll wear the blazer over the sweater. He's got those glasses that are a prerequisite. So if you're in the media, you have to wear those thick glasses that really draw attention to themselves. That that You'll see all the anchors do it too. It's how they show that they're special. It's how they show that they're intelligent. It's how they show that they're important and that you should listen to them. So they they use the glasses as props. So here's Oliver Darcy. This is just great. Go ahead, Captain. Uh, And it's it's really showed and highlighted the fact-free universe in which Fox operates, which actually, to some degree, would have made this process of this trial, if it were to have happened, more agonizing for the network because the network is used to sailing through controversies by misleading viewers, bad faith attacks on critics, attacking the media. Those things, Jake, would not have been allowed in a trial. The judge would have compelled Fox to put forth a honest, fact-based uh, narrative for the jury. And so that would have been a very uncomfortable position, I think, for Fox, especially given the hand they had uh, been dealt. I mean, Oh, so disappointed. They, they had Fox in their sights and Dominion just, they settled. They didn't go through. They didn't go through. So Disney. I, 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 I really need everyone to understand if you don't already understand it. That there's something very evil that's taken place on the left. I'm not talking about the socialism in terms of their economic policies that don't work. I'm not even talking about the tyranny. I'm not talking about the authoritarianism. I'm talking about perversion. I am talking about sexual deviancy. The left 
is championing the, 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 the most insipid, just sexual behavior that's ever existed. They are championing it with the transgender movement, with the LGBTQ plus mafia movement. And that's why we call it grooming. Grooming. And I'm feeling brave today, so maybe I'll get into the the gay issue too. The gay issue too. And no, I'm not attacking anybody who's gay for being gay, but if you are gay, become a hero and take back your movement. So Disneyland has announced its first gay pride night celebration. It's first. Now this is happening not in Florida, surprisingly. Uh, This is actually happening in Anaheim, California at Disneyland, not Disney World. But nonetheless, it's Disney doing this and there's no better place to do this without any outrage than California. So this is going to be the California Park's first ever Pride Night. It's an after-hours event celebrating Pride Month. Children of all ages will be admitted to the party, which will feature Disney-themed celebrations of gay and transgender people. This isn't being put on for adults. They're trying to entice families to bring their children to this event. I'll get into the reality of the sickness of this movement in a moment. But regardless of your views about sexuality, whether you're on board with a gay marriage, whether you're on board with the transgender thing, there's something particularly wrong and amoral about a human being, a parent, who wants to expose their young child to sexuality at all. I don't care if it's straight sexuality. I don't care if it's any sexuality. And that was at the root of the bill in Florida, of course, which the left called the Don't Say Gay Bill, which was the Parental Rights Bill. Because the left and teachers that are disgusting wanted to tell kindergartners through third graders about their gay sexual lives, teach them pronouns and so on and so forth. And it's really disgusting. So Disney is sponsoring this. Disney, and what's so sick about this, is Disney, of course, is the the, the, the most famous, the most well-known, the most powerful and far-reaching in many ways, producer of what? Children's content. And they now see their role as alphabet mafia activists who are going to expose your children every chance they get to this type of material. And it's sick. I want to go through memory lane because I was just da- take a walk down memory lane because I just, I just, I think there's a lesson in this. And, you know, I understand some of you aren't Christians. Many of you maybe aren't Christians. I am a Christian. So I have to approach some of this from that perspective. But all this started with gay marriage. All this started with gay marriage. Now, if you'll remember, California, this wasn't that long ago. You know, circa 2008, I believe it was. I think it was 2008. California had a proposition during the election year, right? That was the year Obama was elected president. And Californians voted, a majority of Californians voted for the first half-white president, Barack Hussein Obama. And they also voted against gay marriage. Understand that, 2008? Liberal state still voted for Barack Obama, but against gay marriage. That's where the issue was in America. And I remember this, Captain. I was going to school at Pepperdine at the time. And look, 
you know, even as a Christian, you know, it's not, I, I, I have, I have, uh, well, views, things that I have to abide by biblically in terms of view and so on and so forth. But, you know, the, the pro, what the left's done to Christians and people that are of faith in particular is very sick and we've let them do it to us. They're holding us to these laws that don't exist, that they're making up. Like, so for example, if you disagree with something or condemn something, the left says you're hateful, you're a homophobe, you're a bigot, you're transphobic. Now, th- th- they tell us that we have to be tolerant because Jesus was tolerant. Jesus preached love. And yet the same Jesus that they present to us is not the one that exists. Jesus actually called on Christians, for example, to be activists, but we're not. We're passive. Uh, the church has been hijacked. We have been taught this, this flaccid faith that is a departure from the, the true word. Jesus turned over tables and threw out the tax lenders, if you'll recall. He told them to get out of his father's house. Jesus condemns sin, sin repeatedly. Condemnation of something doesn't equal hatred. Jesus loved people, and from that love, he condemned behavior. And we really let them blow these things out of proportion. Disagreeing with gay marriage, not wanting gay marriage in society, doesn't make you a hateful person. And frankly, somebody who's gay doesn't have any right that's a small minority of the population to dictate that you have to change your definition of marriage to fit what they want. And the reason I bring that up is in 2008, I, my biggest problem, you see, even people like me back then, and I, I think my stance has changed since then. I've become a little bit more adamant, opposed actually, as I've seen what's happened to society as I've, as I've matured. But most of us, even right-leaning people in California, and certainly left because we voted against gay marriage, the left did as well. We were okay with gay couples having the same rights as married couples. People forget this. In California, the problem was, and this is, when I look back, this is the moment I should have realized how dangerous the movement was because they were militant. They were uncompromising. So we said, people that were straight, we said, okay, look, you can have a, a civil union or whatever. That you, we, we, we were okay. We said, look, you can have a civil union. You'll have the rights, but you can't get married. And that was a pretty good compromise, I thought. You just want the tax benefits. You want us to honor the fact that gays can be in a long-term relationship. But look, we marriage is between a man and a woman. You can't have that. And the left said no. The alphabet mafia said no. They said it was unfair and it was discriminatory if we didn't recognize their situation and relationship on the same plane with the same verbiage as straight couples. They refused to have a civil union. They had to have marriage. It had to be the same thing. And that was the beginning of the end for the Christian movement when the church didn't push back and they simply adopted that. Because this is the problem. That movement cannot coexist with Christianity. It cannot. And this is why we have so much turmoil in America. This is the really the root source of so much of our problems, is fundamentally we are a Judeo-Christian nation, even through our laws, even through our, our, the creation of this country. And so when you introduce things that are counter to that, you have conflict. And so they got gay marriage. The Supreme Court intervened, of course, and said all 50 states have to recognize gay marriage. And now we've gone from what? You guys can get married to, we want to groom. We want to not recognize that there are individuals who are born gay. We want to indoctrinate young children to be gay. Not only gay, but to be sexually confused. Not only to be sexually confused, but to consider having genital mutilating surgeries to change their gender. That's where we are now today. And the issue with the whole gay marriage thing anyway, 
Is it fine? Do whatever you want in your personal life. But the reason that you have marriage, and this was a problem too, is that society, in order to be healthy, is built on what? Nuclear families. Traditional marriage. And the whole point of marriage and a husband and wife is that it takes a man and a woman to create a child. And so now look what's happened. You've dissuaded that from happening at every turn. You don't honor it anymore. You have people not getting married. They don't think it seriously. And you have the erosion of society because people don't take that seriously. And the building block of any healthy society, it's the culture, of course. It's the border. It's families. Families make up a country. And the family has been destroyed and it's still under attack in America. And that's why they're going after the kids. They don't want you to influence them. They don't want you to fight back. They don't want you to create this stable situation in America. They want to take your kids from you. And Disneyland wants to take them. And they want to put things in their brain. They want to encourage behaviors that do not lead to a healthy, stable society. It's just a practical situation. A practical situation. But, you know... California is great at being stupid. Uh, we've embraced full-blown communism here. California electric companies propose higher earners pay greater fees than lower earners under new state law. Did you hear about this one? So you don't pay energy costs soon in California anymore based on what you use. You pay based on what you earn. This is pure communism. Pure communism. So it doesn't matter. You're not paying based on how much energy you use. You're paying a rate based on how much money you earn. Three, and you don't have a choice, three electric utility companies in California proposed a fixed rate billing plan under which high income households would pay more than low income households. Now, this is not really because they wanted to. This is because Gavin Newsom signed a bill last summer that required energy utilities to impose a rate component in their power bills. So this is being forced upon us by Gavin Newsom. The law requires a fixed monthly charge based on household income. Pacific Gas and Electric, that's who I have to use, uh, introduced a proposal intended to reduce fees for most households by imposing higher costs on wealthier families. It's, it's, you know, this goes back to the, the, the conversation about reparations and things like that as well. It's really insipid because unfortunately human beings are self-interested. We're selfish. And that's the reason America's worked so well because capitalism creates a society in which that benefits everyone. You get rewarded based on what you do, how much work, what your skills are, what you bring to the table, how unique and rare. That's why somebody in the NFL gets paid what they do, because very few people can do that job. That's how capitalism works. And what pains me is that you have so many citizens in this country, like the reparations thing in San Francisco, for example. <clears throat> It's, it's sick. It's wrong. It's divisive. And what it does is it codifies a racial component. It codifies racism. That's what it does. Because the government is rewarding basically amorality. And they're getting your vote for it. So if you're black in San Francisco, even though you weren't a slave and nobody in California was a slave because California was never a slave state, and no white person living in California has ever had slaves. Well, they are telling the black community, vote for us because we're going to hose these racist whites and redistribute their money to you. And unfortunately, many people say, yeah, they cheer it because it benefits them. It is a slippery slope to anarchy. And you can only 
continue to punish people for so long until everybody reaches a boiling point. You can only push for so long. And what do you think is going to happen? You think Californians, rich Californians, are just going to stay in the state? No, they'll leave too. And this is really, long term, this is what's happening in the country. You're having a total realignment. I mean, people talk about a national divorce. Now, that's not going to happen. It can't happen. But a modified version of a national divorce is already happening. Because red states are going to be reinforced with like-minded people. And blue states are going to be reinforced, I guess, with whatever's left behind. Let's talk about the debt ceiling. So, I don't have much hope. It's it's really... Now, you know, now is the time for McCarthy and all the Republicans in the House to just... just Grow a pair. Grow a pair. Put the foot down. I mean, what what is there to lose at this point if you start thinking about the grand scheme of the country? I mean, we are teetering on the brink of destruction as it is. And the left, of course, has mastered this fear porn campaign. <clears throat> and maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. The point is we've never defaulted, quote unquote, on the debt. Now, there's debate about that even being a possibility because by law, We have to pay Social Security. So they'd have to find a way to do it anyway and pay those programs. But the point is, we're looking at something like $31.4 trillion in debt. And they're saying by June, the Treasury's saying, that's the deadline, June X day, we're going to run out of money. We don't have to run out of money. You just cut the government. That's what has to happen. And every time, this is how it goes. We just get strung along. You see, these imposters are holding us hostage and our future hostage because they spend more, they create more debt. That's all debt, $31.4 trillion in debt. And the only way to fix this situation is to change Social Security, to modify it, to reform it, to get rid of a lot of these social programs, which makes up most of the debt in this country. Most of our budget goes to welfare programs, period. The vast majority, well over 60%, as a matter of fact. That's where it all goes. And this government takes in more money every year. Oh, I mean, Biden took in like $5 trillion or something like that, or over $5 trillion. And the debt goes up. The deficits go up. The deficits, we run them every year. The national debt continues to soar. And every time we get to this point, they say, oh, well, we need to raise the debt ceiling. And we don't need to have any strings attached. We just need to do it because if we don't do it, the world is going to melt. I say let it melt. Now, it's speculation. They don't know what would happen because, as they admit, it's never happened before. So they're just using this scare tactic. And my point is, we're, gonna, we're suffering now, and we're going to suffer eventually from this debt anyway. It's going to cripple us. It's going to destroy the nation. So at some point, we have to face the music and feel the pain. And the problem is, we keep kicking the can down the road. We never feel the pain. And you know what? Sometimes, you just have to face the music and, and face the pain to force action. To force action. And the only way things are going to happen is if there's some pain. For these politicians to finally realize they have to make cuts because there's consequences. And right now there's no consequences. Now we feel it with inflation, with all these other issues in the economy, but they don't. They're shielded. These Congress members are getting paid $174,000 a year by the taxpayer. Are you making $174,000 a year out there? That's what they're getting paid. And so we need to say... And, and, I am tired of this. You know, the Republicans, because they're in the House and this bill is going to originate in the House and go to the Senate, they have the leverage. They have the leverage. I say throw the kitchen sink at the Democrats and let them eat it. Make it very clear that it's their fault if we default. 
But this country can't survive if we continue spending like this. And the only way to fix the debt problem, you cannot tax your way out of it. It's not possible. There's not enough money in all the world. You could take all the wealth in the country and you couldn't pay off the debt. The only way to resolve this is for the Congress to stop spending money, to cut programs and cut employees. You know, it's interesting. Elon Musk cut 80% of the workforce at Twitter. And it's more productive than it was before. The government needs to do the same and it could do the same. Now, they don't have a problem when they shut down the economy for COVID and they put all of you out of work. We can survive that, right? You can tell the majority of the workforce, go to hell, you're out of work because, you know, you're going to sneeze on somebody and they're going to die. They can say, we can destroy your livelihood. We can put you out of business all day long. But when it comes to the government, oh, you can't take away a single government job. Why is that? Why is that? They don't contribute anything. The bigger the government is, the less stable our economy is because they don't create wealth. Everything they have, they suck from you and me. And I say, bite the bullet and let things blow up. Let them blow up. Because you know what? If they blow up, guess whose fault it is if they don't fix the situation? The Congress, because if things blow up, it's the Congress that has to take action to make cuts to meet the debt, to pay off the debt. They can pay off the debt if they change the spending and then they'll have the money freed up. I am tired of this argument from them time and time again that we're the problem, that we need to raise the debt ceiling when this is created by the politicians every single time and the debt goes up year after year after year and the only solution is for them to make cuts and they won't do it. They only grow the government. Meanwhile, we suffer and they say we don't pay enough in taxes. We don't pay our fair share. No, they are spending our money. They need to show restraint. They need to to stop spending. They need to be responsible. Not you and me. What do we sit here and exist like the golden goose to sit here and, I mean, you spend most of your working life working for the government. That's how it shakes out because they take your money. So, you know, if you're taxed at 50%, which more people than realize actually are, well, you're spending 50% of your time at work to pay Uncle Sam, to pay the government, to pay for this trans agenda. So I've had it. Let it blow up. Let it blow up because that's the only thing that's ever going to force these politicians to change their behavior. That's it. All right. Well, this is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth. What a hot episode this was, huh? Very, very hot and heated. So, yeah, well, you know, do me a favor. I've said this before. None of you are doing it. I don't know why you hate me. I don't understand why you don't respect me. I mean, I sit here, I pour my heart and soul out for 60 minutes or more. And all I ask from you is to go on Apple or Spotify, rate the show five stars and give it a review. I'll explain more later. It's very important because of some other factors. No one's going to do it now, huh? They're saying Drew's being too too heavy-handed. But literally, let me be honest. I would very much appreciate it. It does mean things. Look, all these other hosts ask for it all the time, and they got a million of these things. Yeah, I told you this show is in the top 5% of podcasts. The problem is, it's not a problem per se, because whatever, we're here doing our thing. But, you know, it doesn't reflect it in terms of reviews that are there. And that matters to other people out there, okay? And I'll get to that later. But do me a favor, go there, give it five stars, and give it and write something even if you want to, okay? All right, that's it. Millennial Minister of Truth. God bless you all. And until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Drew Allen. 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 All